All right. Let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, we started the last couple of weeks looking at, so Peter opens up with, with all these great things, which if you we've noticed is how a lot of New Testament letters open up talking about how great God is and how great our salvation is. 2 Peter is no different. 1 Peter did the same thing. 2 Peter does it as well, talking about what's so great about our salvation. And, and he really focuses on the grace aspect of what God has done for us. So he uses very grace-oriented or gift-oriented words. He says that we have obtained, remember this faith, that that's a, or that means by casting of lots. In other words, we didn't, we didn't earn our faith. We didn't deserve our faith. We didn't work our faith. We obtained it. It was given to us. We saw that uh, these things have been granted to us, all things that pertain to life and godliness. That word granted, remember, is a word that is translated gift. Uh, just about every other time in the New Testament, that the things we have from God are a gift. That God has been very gracious to us. None of this, as us being Christians, none of this is because of who we are. None of this is because of what we've done. It is all about our great God and Savior and what He's done for us. So then Peter, after laying out all that God has done, all these great things, life and godliness, rescuing us from this corrupt world, you know, giving us His precious and very great promises, all those things, just in those first, you know, three or four verses, uh, two sentences, really, all of those things, what do we do now? What do we do? How do we respond to God, to the God who has done that for us. How do we, what do we do now? And we saw uh, really uh, starting in, in verse 5, he, he starts to talk about what we, what we are to do. He says, for this very reason, he starts to go through all these things that, that we are to quickly or speedily make every effort to, to work quickly, to, to supplement uh, not not to add to our faith, to, to really use what faith has started in us. So God has given us this faith. He's given us all the things for life and godliness. This is spurring a, a tune in us. And remember that that word to supplement is, is the Greek word for choreography. So you get these things choreographying with what faith is doing. You get them dancing to the tune of faith. So what are we supposed to have dancing to that that new song that is playing in our hearts? This new song of faith that is ringing in us and making us want to be different and want to live and, and glorify the Lord, what will that life look like? What should, what should we expect to be the movements of our body, so to speak, in that tune? And so we saw the first one uh, that we are to uh, uh, supplement to our faith, uh, excellence. Uh, ESV translates it virtue, uh, that the excellent things. It's the same word as excellencies, that he's given us all the things that pertain to life and godliness uh, and called us to his own glory and excellence. That, that same word there, that we are to pursue excellent things. We saw that uh, to, to, to excellence, we're to add uh, self, or not self-control, but knowledge. That we should be, you know, biblical sponges. You should want to know as much as you can know about God. That if God has done all this for you, and it just makes sense, if God's done all that you say he's done in your salvation, how can you care so little to know about him? How can, how can you go, I mean, if, if a human person did for you, uh, just as a minor, think about all the times, I don't know if any of you like biographies, 
But you ever heard an interesting historical anecdote about a person and you're like, I need to get a book on that guy. And you'll read a book on some random individual who's done nothing for you, just done something interesting, and the book can be this big, right? A big, thick biography, and you read it in a week. You get the Bible, which isn't as thick, and you're like, I got to read that in a year? Oh, my goodness. And to knowledge, we're to add self-control. The word there was inner strength, the strength from within you, in strength. And we saw that that word is often translated discipline, that we're to be disciplined Christians. And then I went on my rant about hippies in that. Remember, <laughs> as I told Les, I was like, I feel like I really hit on the hippies uh, last Sunday. And that's but the reason is that's what that's kind of how the Christian life is painted nowadays. You just kind of do whatever. So you're going and doing this one week, and then this becomes popular, and you do that that week, and then that becomes popular, and you do that, and and you you know you should be doing this, but you just don't. You just don't. Why not? Uh, and we don't we don't want to be lazy Christians. We don't want to be worthless Christians. We don't want to be the type of people that if they were at our job, we were going, that guy's just do, getting a paycheck. You know, we want to be people who are honoring the Lord with our lives and are disciplined in that. And we saw him compare that to uh, what athletes do. And we'll see that same comparison again today in another passage that we look at. Uh, so what's next? What's after that? Well, let's read Second Peter uh, verses, one th- or verses 3 through 7. And uh, we'll continue to move through this list. So let's stand in the honor of reading the word of God. And let's already begin to be sponges uh, soaking in these words that we're about to read, wanting to know, wanting to obey, uh, and, and wanting to really glorify the Lord uh, even, even now, just in how we listen. So Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, or in other words, because of all that, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And virtue... With knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Let's pray. Father, I just want to come to you and praise you right off the bat, because, uh, God, we are even only caring about your word because of what you've done in our hearts. And we can think of uh, how much of our life we might have been cold to God's word, or how we were raised in a, in, a, in a Christian home that taught us to love your word before we even knew what it was uh, to, to know uh, good and evil. Uh, and so, Father, we thank you for however you have got this tune singing in our hearts. Um, but, Father, we know that we are here today chiefly because of you. And so, as you speak, God, we want to listen, we want to hear, and we want to obey. We want to worship you with our lives uh, and, and we've got to know what you tell us and how you tell us to live, both as our creator and as our savior. So God, please just speak to us today through your words. We thank you for them. Uh, and God, we thank you that you promise to make wise those who seek wisdom. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's continue through this list. 
uh, we're down now. We've just done knowledge. We've done self-control. Now the, we're at the end of verse 6. Uh, and self-control with steadfastness. So that's the next thing. We've got excellence. Uh, we've got knowledge. We've got discipline or inner strength, self-control. Uh, and now we've got steadfastness. Steadfastness. Well, well, what is steadfastness? What does it mean, steadfastness? When I was talking to the kids about this, uh, and I was like, our next thing is going to be steadfastness. And I was like, oh, no one ever uses that word. Uh, what does it mean to be steadfast? Well, well, this word here for steadfastness is a word Peter's actually already used. And he used it in 1 Peter. And it was a word that we actually looked at for probably about two weeks. Um, it's a word there in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, it's a combination of two words, the word for under and remain. Remain under. Remember when things are tough and you're bearing under? Remember he says sometimes you've got to bear under things? And then it's, it's, the words both translated uh, endure, uh, but they're two different words. That's okay. Uh, so sometimes you endure because you're bearing under something, and sometimes the endurance continues. You've got to remain under the something. And that's the word that you see here. This steadfastness is the word remain under. In other words, when things are difficult, you don't give up. So we see it in 1 Peter 2.20. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you remain under, you remain faithful. You don't give up. You don't drop it. You remain under the burden that the Lord has put on you. Remember, all of this in 1 Peter was driven by the recognition that everything that comes your way does not come your way by chaos. comes your way by the hand of God. And so there's a trusting in that. God, you have given me this weight, and so I know I can bear it through your strength because I know it is not your desire as my father to crush me any more than it is my desire to crush my children. And so he says, you've got to remain under You've got to endure. He says, this is a gracious thing. This is grace in the sight of God. So that word there, steadfast, it's, it's a word for endurance. Steadfastness, I would say it more clearly, is a faithful endurance. It is a faithful endurance that sometimes we have to bear under and sometimes we have to remain under this weight and we can't give up. We can't drop it. We can't throw it off. We have to remain faithful even in the difficult times. That's the idea behind this word, that you are remaining faithful even when you want out from under it. The burden is there. It is on you, but he tells you remain under. Remain faithful in this task that I have given you, even if the task is difficult. But we don't just want to remain under it. We want to remain under it the right way. We don't just want to endure it. We don't just want to get through it. Steadfastness is getting through it, being faithful as you get through it, right? You don't want to just be like, I'm, you know, I, I know, you know, the typical thing is in marriage, right? It's not being godly just to not get a divorce and then just treat each other like junk, right? But hey, at least we didn't divorce. Uh, I know I can't divorce this woman. I hate her, uh, and I'm mean to her all the time, but I'm so faithful I haven't divorced her. 
uh, no faithfulness is if you have an ungodly spouse. And we've seen this both in 1 Peter and in 2 Peter, that if, even if you've got an ungodly spouse, it doesn't say that faithfulness is just being there. Uh, you need to be uh, obeying the Lord even in your endurance, even in the hard things. You have to do the hard things the right way. So last week we saw be self-controlled, have that inner strength, be disciplined, but you need to be disciplined the right way. So last week we saw do hard things. Now we see do hard things the right way. Be steadfast. Uh, steadfastness is, is a continuing in the faith, keeping faith in God, which is not just your trust in God, but your outward actions of trust at all times. That there's no time for the Christian to just give up. We see this word in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 is going to be a great passage for understanding what it means by steadfastness because this word is brought up several times there. Uh, but Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Remember, this is right after Hebrews 11, that hall of faith. Uh, and some people you're going, how'd they get in that hall of faith? And other people you're going, why aren't they in there? Uh, but you get that great hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Therefore, since we're surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, which clings so closely and let us run with endurance. Same word, run with steadfastness. You could take a circle that in your Bible and draw a line all the way to second Peter. So you can remember, uh, run with endurance, run with steadfastness. The race that is set before us. Of course, again, the idea being who has set the race before us? God has. So you can trust in your endurance because in the whole time, there's this understanding that I am not just going through some satanic obstacle course. We give Satan so much more power uh, and, we, and we take from God the things that he says he is doing for us, even when it's difficult. Uh, the, the Christian life uh, when you look at, at, at Hebrews 12 and, and, and well, 1 Corinthians uh, 6, uh, the, the, the Christian life is an endurance race. The Christian life, is, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon, right? It's not just, hey, I've got to be faithful for 30 seconds in the morning. So I wake up and I wake up and I pray. And then I go and I live however I want to. Uh, the Christian life is where, to steal from Romans 12, you are a living sacrifice. Your life is a sacrifice to the Lord. And so he says, you're running this race. As you're running, you don't just sprint and you're okay. And you've seen this in your own battle against sin, right? Sometimes we battle sin and we treat it like a hundred yard dash. And we get there and you like break the tape, you know, and you're like, woo, I beat it. And you kind of relax, and then that sin is like the turtle. He's like, hey, nice to see you again, buddy. Uh, and you're like, oh, man, I thought I had you beat. Uh, and so we've got to keep running. Sin, sin is, so he says, be careful. You've got this sin that is clinging, Hebrews says. It clings close to us. The same idea, remember from Genesis 1, that, that he leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife. Well, sin is clinging closely to you. Uh, but we don't give into it. He says, we keep running. We cast it aside and we keep running with endurance. We don't give in to that sin. We remain faithful. The, but then the question is, well, how do I do that? How do I endure? I mean, I get that, I get that question a lot because it's, it's easy to bear something for a moment. 
even, let's say, for a few days or a week. But how long, pastor, do I have to be faithful? What if, and, and, uh, what if, what if this goes on for a month? What, what if he's mean to me for a month? What if she's cold to me for, you know, six weeks? When is enough enough? When do I get to give in and be mean back? What if my parents are doing this to me? When do I get to fly off the handle at them? Well, the answer to that's easy. It's always easy to answer that. The answer is until it's over. So when they say, how long do I have to be faithful? I go, till it ends. Till the, till, the, till the burden is gone. But there, is it no? So then they say, well, how long is that? And then I go, I don't know. Now that I don't know. But I know however long it, it is, that's how long you're supposed to be faithful. Well, how can I do that? How can I endure that long? I mean, that's the question because they already feel like they've used all their strength up. I don't know if I can go another week. I don't know if I can go another hour. I don't know if they walk into the room right now, I'm not going to fly off the handle. Or I'm dealing with this in my own self. I'm dealing with this sin, and I don't know if I can keep not doing that. I want to give in. So how can we keep enduring? How can we remain under? That's the big, I don't think people have a problem with bearing under. We don't have a problem suffering for Jesus and doing what's right. We just have trouble when that doing what's right starts to take a long time. We don't don't mind suffering for Jesus if we suffer for a day. Or we suffer through a conversation. But when you start telling me that you can't tell me when this suffering is going to end, when I as a pastor have to be honest with you and say, you might suffer through this for the rest of your life. I can't promise you that you won't. But I can, I can tell you this, no matter how long it is, you need to be faithful. Well, how do you do that? Well, Hebrews tells us. So the same passage in Hebrews, it tells us, look, you got to run this race with endurance, with steadfastness, then tells us how to do that. And the answer is, look to Christ. Look to Christ. So look at Hebrews 12 too. So let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run with steadfastness. Let's bear under this. How? Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter, of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured, same word, steadfastness, was steadfast, bared under the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So as you're bearing under, you need to look to Christ and say, well, how long did Christ endure? How long did he remain under the burden, it says? How did he remain under the burden of the cross? What did he do? He remained under that burden, how long? Till it was over. To the end. And imagine if Jesus, going down the Via Dolorosa, right? Made it about 40 steps and cast off the cross and said, Whoa, I feel like that was enough. Now we would hear that and go, well, that would be horrible for me, Right? And it is Christ's steadfastness that he didn't do that. He remained faithful, as it says, enduring the cross. So we can look to Christ and his own endurance as our encouragement. That Christ bore to the end. So I must bear to the end. When did Christ give up the cross for me? Never. So when must I quit bearing the burden for him? Never. 
As long as the burden is there, I will bear it. Why? Because he is my God and he has saved me. And there's never at a point that I'm going to go, you know, I've suffered for three months. I think I've suffered long enough. I've paid you back for what you've done for me. So I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit being faithful to you, God. There's never that moment. So I tell people, look, you just have to keep bearing it until you've paid back to him all that he's done for you. And then what do people do? Because they recognize what? But he's done so much for me. And I go, yeah, that's right. And if you'll remember that, if you'll look to him and see how much he's done for you, your burden will look like this. And it's a whole lot easier when you bear a burden that you realize is just this big. You feel like it's bigger. You know why? Because you're looking at you. And you know how big you are? This big. And so you're looking at the burden and compared to you. Yes, it is large. And it is more than you can bear. So what do you need to do? Look to the one from whom your power comes. Look to Christ who has given you. And then go to 2 Peter and know he's given me everything I need for life and godliness. I can bear this. I can because of the strength he's given me. And so I will fix my eyes on him knowing, knowing that I can bear it to the end. Because when he talked about enduring and running this race, he says, look to Christ who endured the cross. Despising its shame and is now what? Seated at the right hand of the Father. And that's the other thing. Remember the outcome of Christ's endurance. So we look to Christ. What? We look to Christ to know I can make it. I can do this. I'm following his example. But we also look to Christ to know that in the end, in the end, you're not going to be abandoned. Where's Christ now? What does it say? And is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. God did not abandon him when he endured what God set before him. So God has set before us this race. God set before Christ the cross. And Christ bore the cross, faithful. And now where is Christ seated? At the right hand of the throne of God. So if we will, we will be just as faithful, we know that God will not abandon us. One of the things that makes endurance so hard is that question, is this going to be worth it? Because we want to know what's the outcome going to be. Am I going to be faithful and in the end, nothing's going to change? Am I going to be faithful and in the end, I'm still just going to be suffering or things? It's going to be worse than if I had just given in. So am I being an idiot? Am I being a fool to keep to keep being faithful? But we know that after endurance comes the crown. We saw that last week. Remember the imperishable crown. So we keep that in mind as well. So when we're, when we're enduring, when we're being steadfast, we're looking to Christ, knowing I can do this because of Christ. He's the example that I follow. And he bore for me till the end. I can bear for him until the end. And then I know what the end is going to be. The end is not going to be a disappointment. Like when you watch a TV show for like six seasons and then you get to the last episode and you're like, well, that, that one episode made this whole six years pretty much a waste of my time. That's not what's going to happen in your Christian life. You're not going to endure whatever you're enduring and be faithful, be a faithful husband, be a faithful wife, be a faithful church member, be whatever, a faithful businessman. You're not going to be faithful with your finances or faithful with your time. Even when it's hard, you're not going to do any of those things. And in the end go, I shouldn't have done that. That was a waste. Look, if Christ can bear the cross and in the end not look back and say, you know what, that was probably too much. Then whatever you're bearing, you can be confident. That when, when God does take that burden off, and he will, I don't know when, but he will, that when he does, you're going to be able to say, being faithful 
being steadfast, enduring, was the best thing I could have done. And you'll either look back at that and say, and I wish I had. And you'll look at disappointment that you didn't. Or you'll look and say, God, you were faithful even when I thought you were faithless. And I was steadfast. And you proved that you are, like we read today, who is a rock like our rock? Who is God but the Lord? It is looking to Christ that helps us not get up. He, give up Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 and 4. He says, Consider him who endured for sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you've not resisted to the point of shedding uh, your blood. One, one way, yeah, this is funny, there's multiple ways, but one way we fail in endurance is, is we endure in a sinful way. That, that's, enduring in a sinful way is not enduring. That's just a different form of giving up. Okay, so like we talked about, like if you stay married, but you're still jerks to each other, that's not endurance. That's just a different version of giving up. So you get, you get, wives, who, you get wives who submit to their husbands, but they hate every second of it. And that's not, that's not enduring. And that's not being faithful to God. That's not enduring the burden that he set in front of you. So we get couples who, who, again, stick together but are ungodly towards one another. And you never divorce, but yeah, you, you've given into a hundred sins in your marriage during that same time and how you treat each other, how you talk to each other. Here it says, if you don't want to grow faint-hearted, if you don't want to give up, he says, consider what Christ went through for you. Is consider, look at, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. So you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. If you don't grow weary or faint-hearted, consider what Christ endured. What he endured for you to give you the strength that is now in you. He endured this so that you would have all the things that pertain to life and godliness to give you the things so that you can be godly in this situation. If you will look to Christ who did this and has given you what you need for the purpose of this very moment in your marriage, in raising your kids, at work, in whatever, he did that for you to be able to bear this, whatever you're going through, whatever it is, your struggle against sin, your struggle against whatever, this strength is in you because of what Christ did for this moment. You've got it now all the tools, all you need, boom, it's yours. You've got those things, and what do you want to do? You want to set it down. You want to set it down. Why? Because it's just too much. It's just too much. Christian, I think we need to read this passage and go, we need to be honest with ourselves. Sometimes we blow our faithfulness out of proportion. We'll turn our basic level obedience, baby Christian obedience, into this difficult cross-bearing when it's really not. And that's what God says here. He gives us a polite slap in the face, doesn't he? You ever been slapped in the face by God? That's what this is. Because what does he say? He says, 
sometimes what we need, we need God to say what he does here where he goes, look, wait. You're talking about quitting? You're not even bleeding yet. That's what he says here. You haven't even suffered to the point of shedding blood. It's almost like, look, this is how you do it, and this and that. And then he goes, but recognize, you're not even shedding blood in obedience to me in this. And you're like, oh, it's too much. It's like dads with kids, right? Are you bleeding? You're fine. The Lord is the first one to say that. He goes, look, you're not even bleeding. How can you talk about giving up? Because this is so hard or this is so hard. And he goes, look, you can do it in Christ. Christ has given you everything. But let's also have a little talk. It's not that big a deal what you're going through. You're not even shedding blood yet. And you're talking about quitting? You're talking about not enduring that it's so hard. We need to, we need to, get, our, we need to get a recognition of how little faithfulness we have to have before we start to feel like our muscles are quaking. Anyone can say they love the Lord, but true love, the Bible says, is steadfast love. And so I love this passage in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. It says, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man Who can find? Is that faithful person you? Are you steadfast in your fight against sin? When, look, are you serving the Lord with gladness as long as you don't have any burdens to bear? As long as he hasn't set a race in front of you? If he, if he has given you a moment of pause in your Christian life where things are not difficult, are you all about being steadfast and faithful then? But the moment he lays on you a burden for your good and for his glory, are you about to shuck it off because you can't take it? He says everyone wants to talk about how faithful they are. Everyone wants to love and pro- like we didn't have anybody singing the hymns today about, you know, God and his goodness and going... I don't know if I can sing that. I don't know if I mean it yet. None of us did that. We all said, God, be my vision. I want you to be my vision more than anything. And he says, all right, look at me. Here I am. And we go, "Mm. Mm. fix your eyes on me. And you want me to be your vision? Look at me when you endure. Look at me when you're struggling. Look to me instead of looking at yourself and saying, I can't do this. It's so hard on me. Look to me. When you grow weary or faint-hearted, look to me. Because I'm your strength. I'm the one who's given you the strength to be able to endure, endure. And I'm the one who bore hostility for your sake, bearing a cross for your sake, so that you could get through this. So don't come to me talking about I can't endure. Sometimes we need the compassion of God in our endurance. And sometimes we need the hard slap in the face. Everyone wants to say that they're faithful until the burden comes. Everyone loves to proclaim their steadfast love. But a faithful man, a truly faithful person, who can find? Would that be you? Would that be you, someone who is steadfast, whatever is put their way?
Whatever they go through, they will endure. I want you to think about the worst thing you can think happening in your life. The worst thing you can picture happening. The most catastrophic thing, the biggest struggle, whatever it may be. And I want you to say to yourself, I can go through that for God's glory. And I can't just go through it. I can go through it in a way that brings glory to him. Not kicking and screaming, dread by the Holy Spirit till it's over. But I can do it in such a way that when people see how I went through that, they'll go, how'd you do that? Because people have seen, whatever you go through, people have seen people go through it. You're not going to go through anything that people are going to look at and say, I've never even heard of that. Unless you like go swimming in a lake in, in Africa. And then there's all sorts of things that can happen to you. But you're never going to go through anything, anything that the world's not going to, that the world's going to go, man, I've never heard of that. What, what, what's going to be different, what's going to be different is when you go through it in a way that brings glory to God and is more worried about him than yourself. Or maybe better who recognizes that the best thing for yourself is the way you go through it for him. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, why not rather be wronged than be cheated? Whatever it is, it's always going to be better to glorify the Lord. It'd be better for you to glorify God and have horrible things happen to you than for you to have great things happen to you and you not glorify God in them. So as we look at this and he says, look, you need to add steadfastness. So you've got self-control, your discipline. I want you to be disciplined faithfully. I want a faithful endurance from you. And I'm going to stop there because the next one's long because it's really good. The next one's really good. I'm, I'm going to have to change the whole podcast title because the next one is really good. Uh, and I'm three pages through nine. Uh, so we're going to stop uh, and not get into the next one. And, and a couple of reasons. One, for that. And two, because I hear this a lot, this steadfastness. I deal with this. Zach and I deal with this a lot as pastors. You're going through something difficult. Okay. Let's talk about how you can do that. The first thing everyone wants to say is how long, how long? Okay, you got to be biblical. Let's show you what the biblical picture is. And you look at the biblical, biblical picture. The first thing people say is, yeah, but how long? Yeah, but how long? And I want us from now on, that's never a question that we as a church ask. Because we know the answer to it. The answer is to the end. And if you ask me how long that is, I don't know. And so I don't want you asking me a question that I can't answer because then I have to tell you, and some of you have had me tell you this, it might be till you die. It might be. But it's going to end. The question is, will your faithfulness end before it does? Christian, I want you to think about that Proverbs 20 question. And I want you to, today we have come here and we have all proclaimed our steadfast love for the Lord. We've talked about him in Sunday school class. We've sang to him. We've listened to his word. And if I were to ask you why, you'd say, because I love him. But are you faithful? Are you faithful in whatever you go through? Will you say right now, I will be faithful. I can be faithful because of Christ. I will fix my eyes on him and I will endure with the strength that he has given me for this very situation. I have everything I need for life and godliness because of him. So I know I can make it. I know I can endure it. And you've got some faithful Christians here that have endured some pretty hard things and glorified God in some pretty amazing ways. 
And sometimes, sometimes you may just need to remind yourself, this problem that feels so big, probably in the scheme of things, isn't really that big. I mean, I'm not even shedding blood yet. How can I talk about giving up? If you can talk about giving up in this situation, then let's not kid ourselves that one day we can, we can look at those torchlighter movies or read about martyrs and think one day that's going to be me. If you can't even be faithful in your marriage with a person that you have sworn to live your life with, what makes you think when the sword comes and blood starts spilling, you're going to be faithful then? But I want us to be. I want us to be faithful in everything. And we can be. You can be. This isn't some weird self-help talk. This is a promise from the Lord. You can be faithful. And when you grow weary, look to Christ. Because he's the assurance. And he's the source. He's the author. And he's the perfecter. Let's pray. Just as we bow our heads, we want to take a moment to think about God's word and what he has called us to. So just take a moment to pray. And, and ask God, God, help me to endure faithfully. And you might be going through something. I don't even know if you're going through something. If you're going through something right now, and, and as we've been talking about endurance and going through difficult times, you're thinking about this particular situation, I want you to have confidence. One, the sovereignty of God that we'd be preaching on this right now as you're struggling through that is something that should encourage you. Right? We've been preaching through First Peter for uh, years just to get to Second Peter now, which we've been going through for a while, so that you can be here at this moment to hear this message from your God about what you're going through. It's not crazy to give God that sort of control and power because he gives himself that all the time. So thank the Lord that you're here to hear, that you are here to hear this from him right now and that he has spoken this to you through his word. Maybe you're going through something right now. Just say, hey, God, I, am, I know I can get through this. Maybe you need to tell yourself that because there there's a lot of times we listen to ourselves instead of speaking truth to ourselves. We'll listen to that voice in our head that says, you can't do this. You can't do this for that long. Oh, you can't do it. Oh, you couldn't make it another day. You, can, if I, you can't make I couldn't make it that long. You listen to that voice instead of the voice of your God who says, yes, you can. I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. Everything you need. So you've got it from me. And if you don't think that you've got it, look to Christ and find that assurance. Look to him as your example. Look to him as the source of your strength. And then endure. Endure. Maybe you aren't going through anything yet. Right now, pray and say, God... I want to be prepared for whatever I go through. If something difficult comes my way, God, I want to be ready. I don't ever want the question to creep into my head. How long? How long? I don't even want quitting to be an option. You know, don't, don't, don't start praying that in the midst of the difficulty. Pray it now. Get that assurance now. Put on that armor of God through his word now. So that if difficulty does come your way, you'll be ready. You'll be prepared. Rather than the fight coming and you're like, wait, 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 let me put my armor on. Wait, wait, wait. No, you're ready to endure to the end. 
to remain under whatever the Lord sets before you. Father, ultimately these are not questions about us, but questions about our trust in you. You have set this race before us. Whatever our race is, even if some of our races might feel more like obstacle courses than for others, and some of us may feel like our marathon is longer than other people's or that we have more sin clinging to us than other people do, and and we look at what we're going through and we say, I can't make it. Father, may we realize that as we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who made it, going through things far more difficult than we ever did, And I love how Hebrews 11 ends with telling us all the things that they suffered, all the things that they endured, being ripped apart by beasts and killed and slaughtered, but they made it. And here we are, not even bleeding, and we think we have to give up. Father, may there be a smack to humility. May there be a reorienting of our perceptions. And when you smack our eyes off of ourselves, may we turn them toward you, toward Christ and the cross and all of the hope that is there, all of the strength that is there, the example. And so may we as a church and as a people, God, may we always know whatever comes our way, we can and we will get through it and get through it faithful until the end. That we would not allow ourselves to be a people who give up. And Father, I pray that God, we would just glorify you in every one of those situations. That our eyes would be fixed on you and not ourselves. Please, Father, help us to be a faithful people, that we wouldn't just be a church that proclaims our steadfast love, but would be a church filled with faithful men and women, that when Proverbs asks that question, but a faithful person who can find, that they would find a church filled with people steadfastly faithful to their God, in our worship, in our body. And Father, as we're about to take the Lord's Supper, what a great time to be reminded of what suffering really looks like, about what steadfast love for you really looks like, about what faithful endurance really looks like. And may we be faithful even at the shedding of our blood just as our Christ was faithful. Body broken, blood spilled, but now at the right hand of the Father, and broken and spilled for us. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.